Yeah, I eat normal food. <laughs> like I'm Don't just picturing you with excited. like hot pockets and like a like like one bunch of kale that will like rot in the back of your fridge. I eat a lot of ramen noodles. Your blood pressure, Shaheen. My blood pressure thinking about your blood pressure. Because of ramen noodles? It, yeah, because of the, just the, the tablespoons of sodium. What do you, like, do you add stuff to it? Or are you just, like, I, eating... I actually add salt to it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. How are you not dead? <laughs> it's, I, all, it's all that Pinot Gris, I'm telling you. I add a lot of stuff to it. I add eggs, I add spinach, or not spinach, I add kale, I add eggs. <laughs> Two eggs. So, you have the first yeah. egg and then you have the second egg. And then you take a bong rip in between those two eggs. And that, that actually explains the second egg. <laughs> Whatever. Everybody, and welcome to what is this episode 16? God, we've uh, just been flourishing. We should we Col- should throw it a sweet 16 party. Oh, oh, we forgot last time we could have done a quinceanera. Oh, damn it. Like just put on some really frilly dresses and get a pinata. Oh man. Kind of want to do that. Next now. quinceanera. <laughs> Just scrap I don't think this, it, start a new podcast. I, I, yeah, well, I was like, I don't think it works that way once you get to 30. Um, that would be fun. Oh, but anyway, welcome everybody to episode 16 of May We Geek Again. We are a podcast talking about uh, The 100, a show on the CW. And I'm Jen, and I'm joined today by my co-host, as I'm joined every episode by Whether Joe you like it or not. Yeah, Um I I keep trying to do these, and you guys keep showing up. I'm like, oh, damn, they're here again. How'd that happen? <laughs> Awkward. You guys can find us on Twitter and Facebook at May We Geek Again. Um, you can find me personally uh, at DeclareShenanigans.com. I write reviews of The 100. I will be starting that back up again um, once the show starts when, airing. When are you going to have time four. to do that? I don't fucking know. Um, okay. I, I think the only godsend is that the show is one day earlier, so I can spend some time Thursday writing. The other thing is I will probably be doing it without the aid of scotch, so mm. I don't know what I'm going to do. What if it's not as good? Well, thanks, Joe. For that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just looking at it from all angles. Um, you know, or your you had, support and that ringing endorsement. You um, had something that worked. Well, glad... Glad I don't have any uh, uh, insecurity issues right now. Thanks, Joe. And I know, Shaheen, you have a project. Hey, guys, I'm Shaheen. You can find me <laughs> on WordPress at freefloatingperspective.wordpress.com. Don't mind these two idiots. <laughs> Shaheen woke up. Oh, uh, my he's, God. He's got that Pinot Gris just hit him hard. <laughs> he did. He did. So, guys, uh, I hope everybody had a great holiday season and uh, a good new year. What the fuck was that? I don't know why. (laughs) Shaheen. 
Shaheen is drinking some Pinot Gris right now. So <laughs> in the middle of a snowstorm. So it's that kind of day. Yeah, it is that kind of day. Um, beautiful Pittsburgh for Shaheen. And sorry um, about the humming. I can't freeze to death. So, well, I I was going to ask you if you're going to turn your heater off, um, so we could record this without a buzz in the background, but. But we also don't want him to die. You want me alive, or you want this is like a hundred, like the hundred. There's, only, there's only so much uh, auditory uh, mess up that we can have, and your, yours is the heater, Shahi, and it's got to go. Sorry if you die, but yeah. you know, sorry, be stronger, sorry, buddy. I guess I don't know. Buy a sweater or something. God, toughen it out. Um, so, I'm just imagining Shaheen like sitting naked in his apartment, drinking a bottle of, of Pinot Gris <laughs> with like the heater on at like 90 degrees full blast. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I can't freeze. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. So we're off to a stellar start. Um, Joe has um, Joe has thoroughly frightened me about my ability to write my 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 reviews. Uh, we've we now have a picture in our heads of Shaheen. In the middle of his apartment, naked at ninety degrees, drinking his Pinot Gris. Wait, 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 wait! Since when am I? Since when am I naked? Since when are you I've, not? I mean, are you not? Are you? Are you ever naked? Not what? Oh, all right. Let's go, guys. <laughs> Jesus, we. I we think we fo- established I don't get naked because then that changes the way that I talk. Oh right, yeah. No, we need to have you in your like clothes. <laughs> Uh, confidence. There yeah. Okay. So in this episode, if we if we could move on from Shaheen's either clothedness or unclothedness, um, we are talking about ships, everybody. But it's not what you all expect. So we're not talking about Klexo or Balark. We're not doing that. We are we are steering clear of that tomfoolery. So if, if you're coming here expecting to hear about Klexer or Balark, stick around. We have some other good things to say about other ships, because relationships take many forms, not always romantic ones. Um, and plus, we don't engage in ship wars here. Um, we, are, we are a fair and balanced podcast. Oh my God, no, did you just no, like, say that we are the no. fucking Fox News of podcasts? We are the, <laughs> we are the Fox News of, of 100 podcasts, so... Um, yeah, no. take that as what you will. We're not, we're not fair and balanced. I mean, eh, f- yeah, we're not as fair and balanced as I just said. So, so we are talking about relationships today, um, and we'll we'll get right into it. We want to talk about some ships that people probably don't talk about or consider as much as some of the other things that are going on in the show and the dynamics. So. Um, we've got a couple different things we want to talk about. I think, um, we're going to be talking about, um, Jaha a lot today, I think. And I think that's going to make some people happy. Um, fucking so, Jaha. Fucking Jaha. <laughs> but he's an interesting So character. he's got an even worse beard in season four, right? Um, I, no, I think I think I might prefer the sort of like more full old man goatee than I did the like oh, double God. double dot evil goatee. Yeah, that that dot goatee it it was the worst. Um, if he's got a fuller goatee now, that's that's fine. Um, I, I can't it's remember. Not great. If it's, it's not great. Yeah, like let's not. But let's not be pro goatee. But he's bald too. 
um, for for part of the season at least. I, I feel like a lot of people are getting makeovers this season, um, so I'm I'm up for it. Uh, you know, I I I approve of anything that gets our our characters clean. I kind of hope that, like, with him being bald, like, I kind of want there to be, like, uh, that Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now scene where he, like, is sort of just quietly, like, washing and shaving his bald head. Like, I want one of those. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's not not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Not going to happen, but. How about, like, a Shane sequence where, like, he shaves his head and then looks in the mirror, realizes who who he really is? And then breaks the mirror in anguish. No, you know Shane from The Walking Dead season two. Oh, I thought you said shame, like to be ashamed. No, no. Um, oh, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember that. Yeah, I think I do remember. It, did he remember have like. Remember when the show was still good? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was like 10 years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Remember when that show didn't suck? Um, yeah, so. What, why are, what are we even talking about? We're talking I don't about, know. Give us a ship know. to talk about. Are we going to talk right, about let's, Java? Let's talk about some ships. So I think a couple of us um, overlapped on our, on the ships that we wanted to talk about. I know that a lot of the ships that I wanted to talk about have a little bit of a family theme, either biological or found family. Um, so I guess let's let's talk about a an overlapping ship. Let's talk about Abby and Raven. Because <laughs> okay. um, I think... Uh, you and I had this one, Joe, and I, I don't know if, yeah, uh, yeah, you and I had this one. So I I really like this ship a lot because this is what I call found family. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Abby needs, or, or um, Raven didn't have the greatest upbringing. It seems like her mom was, uh, um, I don't think sex worker is the correct term for it on the arc, but she did trade sex for uh, favors. Right? Yeah. Who did? Uh, Raven's mom, right? Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it sort of, like, gets mentioned a little bit, like, especially when, uh, what's-her-name propositions Raven, like, as if she wants this piece of equipment, like, she'll have to... She'll have to sleep with that dude. Yeah. What was that? What was that that woman's name? The, The sort of fixer? Oh, Yeah. I don't remember what her name was, uh, but Nigel. <laughs> oh yeah, it was totally Nigel. Her name yeah. was Nigel. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so I win. So <laughs> you win the booze, Shaheen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like so it Abby or God, I'm sorry, Raven. Kind of is in need of um. Not only a mother figure, but a bit of a mentor as well. And I think I think a lot of the older characters work well as mentors toward the younger characters. Not saying that the younger the, the older characters always know better than the younger characters, but in the show and in real life, I think people benefit from the the experience and wisdom of somebody who's a little bit older than them who can act as a mentor. How to kind of, how much older do we think that Raven is from everyone else? Because Finn was part of the delinquents that got sent down, but, like, Raven already had a job and, like, was doing other shit, and she wasn't in, like, Earth skill. I mean, obviously she wouldn't have been in Earth skills, like, before they went down, but, like, she wasn't, I like, part of I always assumed that she was just a few months older than um, yes. Finn. Okay. So yeah. she was just barely over the 18-year-old 18, 18 
I wasn't sure if she was like as old as Bellamy or like what the deal was. Yeah. I mean, it seems that she's older because she's established on the Ark, mm-hmm. um, whereas everybody else we meet is, is a delinquent, and they're just, like, hanging out in their cells and not really contributing to society um, because my taxes are going to go to support these uh Like ne'er-do-wells. fucking teenagers do. Jesus Christ, I know. Loitering. Get a, get a fucking loitering. job already. <laughs> um, so I, I really dig... And the other thing with with Raven is she's very independent. She's very she doesn't want anyone's help. She doesn't want to lean on anyone. The only person that's ever really been her family is Finn, and he's gone. And she she always kind of um, shrinks away from the help that Abby tries to give to her, either as a doctor or as a friend. But I really like this relationship. I think it's it's grown over the seasons, and I would like to see it continue. Um, maybe even create some tension between Raven and Clark, not that there needs to be any more fucking tension between these two, um, about, you know, who's mothering who. Um, so I, I, I really like it, and I think Abby kind of treats Raven as somebody, t- not to take Clark's place, but Clark is, is in, and Abby are separated for such a long time, and as a mother, she just can't turn off that instinct to kind of, you know, take somebody under her wing and, and look out for them. Um, so I really, I love their dynamic. I think it rivals almost Clark and Abby's dynamic in my esteem as far as how much I like it. What about, um, what about you, Joe? Why did you put this down on the run sheet as something you wanted to talk about? I think, I think it was that, that it was a relationship that I really liked, uh, Uh in season one and season two. Um, and that for necessity of season three, they kind of sort of fell apart because everyone fucking fell apart in season three. Um, you know, you had Abby trying to help Raven, but as you said, Raven is not about to be helped. Um, it wasn't until she, you know, decided at her wit's end that she was going to uh, take take the chip and, you know, yeah. try and deal with her pain. Um, I wonder what would have happened if Mountain Weather hadn't been blown up and Abby would have been able to maybe do surgery and try to repair Raven, you know, like who knows how that would have gone. Um but I think I think it was it was sort of a, a ship that I missed a lot in season three, just because Abby sort of she she just brought a different dynamic to I think how everyone else sort of treats Raven. And I wouldn't I I don't know if I'd necessarily call it like a mother daughter. Like it really does feel like sort of a, a main a mentorship slash friendship, mm-hmm. um, which I I liked. Um, Definitely a little bit more mentorship slash friendship than, say, Kane and Bellamy, which does feel to me um, to definitely have those elements, but also a little bit more sort of familial in the way okay. that, that that they sort of interact. Um, I didn't really get the, like, Raven is Abby's other daughter kind of vibe to it. Um, I guess I guess my thing is, I think, like, when, when Allie used Raven to force Abby to take the chip... That was so I think fucked. Jesus that Christ. Was, that, that, was, that was an excellent moment because I think it, it, it really did demonstrate the, the love that Abby does have for Raven um, and how she would protect her and do this horrible thing um, in order to spare her life. But, um, yeah, I guess, you know, I guess we can, we can read it uh, my way or we can read it your way um, and agree to disagree, you <laughs> you ignorant slut. <laughs> um, how do you feel about it, Shaheen? Be the tiebreaker. What's the disagreement again? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> 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 the Pinot Gris, dude. 
All right. Like, so like how do you view how do you view the relationship? Shaheen, uh, sorry, Raven and 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 Abby. Um. Yeah, I was thinking that I kind of relate to Raven in some ways because um, she's like that smart kid that always gets away with blowing shit up because <laughs> she's smart. Um, and are that's you trying, exactly is how, this your confession? What are yeah, you? that's exactly how, how I was in like elementary school and middle school and even high school. I was like, I was tearing the place down, but no one could say anything to me because I was, you know, I was their best student. So I feel like that's how their relationship between Abby and, and Raven started where she's breaking all the rules and Raven's, Abby is just like, you know, letting her get away with it um, because um, she needs her, I guess, engineering skills or, or mechanic skills or whatever. Um, and then, uh, so the, at that point, they have a sort of a common goal or a common interest. That's what they. That's what unites them, um, which is going down to Earth and figuring out what's going on. Um, <clears throat> But then somehow that grows into this deeper relationship, I guess. Um, I feel like Abby sort of sees Raven almost as a colleague in some ways. Like she, despite the fact that Raven is a couple of months older than everyone, I think because Raven like has a job and is a mechanic and does all this other stuff, like she is sort of like the difference between an adult being friends with like a high school kid and adult an adult being friends with a college kid. You know, like, there's just, like, a tiny yeah. bit more life experience that, like, you can kind of – Abby can be a little bit less strict in her um, in her role with mm-hmm. – like, she doesn't have to have kind of the same – as rigid of boundaries, I think, with Raven that she would with, um, you know, some of the other kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess this is a – this is not going to be a tie-broken uh, – Dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, tell me what the disagreement was about again. Oh my god. I thought it was more of a familial relationship. Like, Abby started f- treating Raven a little bit more like a surrogate daughter than just uh-huh. a, a friend. Um, and Joe thinks it's just really more of a, a friendship and a mentor mentee relationship. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, uh, if I had to choose one, I would choose. Um, the familiar relationship. Yes! <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Ship think they're, they're trying to set this up with a lot of these characters, right? Um, I, think it's, I think it's really important. I, th- I think it really is an important thing across the whole show. Yeah, I mean, I the think. whole show yeah. is about chosen family. Like, Yeah, so, so Shahina's right, mm-hmm. and, and you are wrong, <laughs> and I am right, so... So, scoreboard. <laughs> okay. All right. So All let's right. let's move on to let's move on to the similar relationship, uh, Joe, that you brought up, uh, Kane Bellamy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you're right that this does steer more into the surrogate dad relationship than maybe perhaps Abby and Raven does. Okay, um, this is I, kind of ambiguous because I never understood how uh, this relationship became what it became. I understand Abby and Raven. Uh, I think that was clear how they got, how they started bonding and how they started caring about each other in season one already. But um, Kane and Bellamy 
had, you know, no real relationship by the time season two ended. So yeah, everything right. kind of happened off screen. Yeah. With these yeah, you were guys. just supposed to three months yeah. later be like, oh, Kane took Bellamy under his wing for these last three months and kind of started to groom him as like, you know, a second or third in command or like, you know, kind of like how Clark used Bellamy as a general. Like, I think Kane probably saw that potential um, and sort of, you know, decided to like, you know, start mentoring Bellamy. Um, yeah. And didn't he call him son a couple of times? But I think that's just like a general, you know, thing that people do. Yeah, no, son. yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, I think it's, uh, it's instead of him saying brother, it's yeah. son. <laughs> but I don't like that it happened off camera. Like, I do wish that we had seen a little bit well, more of that again, development. Again, we can just poke season three with a stick at this point because it's <laughs> it's beaten and dead when when it comes to the issue of pacing what, and what stuff happened off screen. Yeah, what we wish we had actually seen and what we wish had actually occurred versus what what did make it to air. So I I love these two. Bell, Bellamy didn't have a father figure in his life at all. We have no clue who Bellamy's father is. I'm secretly hoping it's Jake. Because <laughs> that's... <laughs> I, <know I'm, laughs> I mean, here's even though I know... At, at, uh, Clark and Bellamy both have butt chins, so... Ethnicity-wise, uh. it wouldn't work because uh, he is half Asian. But I would love it. I would love to see... Uh, see, the, this is why we're not fair and balanced. I would love just to see um, most of the Bellarkers just crying. I know there, there's some people, and I won't mention who, who are like so like... into incest, it's not even funny. Um, <laughs> but that's so. Like we don't, we don't ever meet his father. There was, there was, I think there was like a rumor going around that they had considered making Cain. Um, Bellamy's father, but again, the ethnicity is, is, is not right. Well, I guess it is right because Henry Ian Cusick is, is what part Peruvian. Um, although it doesn't, it doesn't really, uh, uh, come Wait, out what? feature wise. Um, no, 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 that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. Cause is Bob is, isn't, Bob is, isn't Bob, Bob is, um, uh, half Vietnamese. Filipino. Yeah. yeah. Half Filipino. I mean, they that. both, I'm sorry. They both start with peas, Jen. So you got that going for you. Yeah, but but you guys, I mean, but yeah, but uh, yeah, but it, they could make it work, though, um, uh, because the the Spanish influence of the Philippines is huge. Um, right. Yeah, I don't know. This sounds Whatever. like this sounds like some kind of Bollywood confused. plot. <laughs> Word and then turn. they break out and dance. <laughs> but really, they were siblings this whole time. Dun, 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 dun. Oh my god, that would be so great! It's like Days of Our Lives. Um, yeah. So, so Bellamy never had a father figure in his life. Um, he only had his mother and, of course, his sister to hang around with. So there's this there's this male influence that's that's kind of missing, and. I think Bellamy kind of takes up the father figure in his family because he, he looks out for his mom and his sister. Um, and again, the mother seems to trade sexual favors for, um, for protection or, or whatever on the ark, which, you know. All of that was kind of weird and sort of like, again, doesn't really hold up to much scrutiny, but that's a separate issue. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little troubling. The, uh, the, the number of non-professional mothers uh, on the Ark that seem to trade pro- 
sexual favors for stuff. Well, and like, um, not to be whatever, if I were turning tricks, I would probably make sure that my like sterilization implant was like a-okay. You know, like, isn't everyone supposed to be kind of sterile? Um, so yeah, uh, hand wavy, well, hand wavy. Well, I mean, no, uh, no birth control is 90 is 100 percent. It's always 99 percent. But if but if the like one presumes that both men and women are sterile, like temporarily on the arc. So like, mm. wouldn't, you know, that kind of overlap sort of be pretty secure? I don't I don't know. Why would you presume that the men would be sterilized? I mean, it's still it's still. Is it not? I, an, I, I, are we not that egalitarian? Are we not that progressive? No, I don't think we are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm being okay. serious here. I, I don't think we are. I, I honestly don't think that they would be by that time. Um, or they might they might wonder, you know, is 99 percent good enough? Or do we need 99 plus another 99? And then everybody else can do the math on that because I'm horrible at the math. So anyway, <laughs> Kane and Bellamy, back to Kane and Bellamy. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in season four because, you know, Bellamy had that that whole shift in his character. Well, I don't call it a shift in his character. He had that whole storyline in season three where he kind of fell off the wagon when it came to doing um, to doing good all the time. So it'll be interesting to see what that dynamic looks like in, in season four. So it's interesting because it seems like we're supposed to assume that Bellamy had a similar relationship with uh, Pike also, right? I don't think we're supposed to assume that. He had this sort of at least teacher-student relationship with Pike. I think Yeah, I think theirs was a little bit more professional, whereas I think when when... When Bellamy uh, turned to the dark side, um, Kane seemed to be more personally uh, upset by it than he would be like, oh, you know, professionally upset by it. Whereas yeah. I, I don't, I don't and, think, um, I don't think Pike regarded him in that way. Uh huh. It seemed like Pike clearly cared that uh, Bellamy be on his side, and um, like obviously they had conversations where. Uh, Pike tried to convince Bellamy and it seemed like Bellamy would always get convinced far too easily but um, yeah it was there, they had that dynamic there so he's clearly getting having influence from different sources there's Kane there's Pike right and there's yeah. Clark and depending on who he is with um, he he's very different his behavior is very different. Like how much of this, like, I wonder is sort of just Bellamy being a bit like emotionally stunted by his sort of unconventional upbringing that he's sort of <laughs> willing to like glom onto anyone who sort of shows faith in him. Um, you know, like, I feel like it is very obvious. It went from Clark to Kane to Pike and, you know, Bellamy, We've talked about it, you know, he's very family focused, you know, Octavia, you know, he'll do anything for her and stuff like that. And I, I, I kind of, I feel like it shows us like either Bellamy is a very strong character or Bellamy is a very weak character. Um, and we kind of like oscillate between these two, these two things, um, which is weird because if you ask me, is Bellamy a strong character? I would say absolutely. But, you know, when you kind of see how 
malleable he is um, by sort of people in power, um, you know, it, it definitely gives me a little bit of pause. There are times where the, the times where he seems strong and acts independently are oftentimes he makes the most egregious mistakes in judgment. Um, and I'm thinking, of course, back to season one when he takes charge and he's the whatever the hell we want guy. And then, of course, to season three when he chooses Pike over Kane and then goes down that path. Um, so Do we think so. So really quickly, like we've like the subreddit talks about this and we've talked about it like Kane has the best of intentions, but he's sometimes not great when it comes to actually executing those plans. Like, I yeah. know that we always say, God damn it, Bellamy, why did you join up with Pike? Like, Kane was obviously, like, the better choice. You know, he was trying to make peace and stuff like that. We, I, I'm not saying that Pike was the right choice, but I, we really don't have any sort of, like, empirical evidence that that Kane would have done anything better. Like, that things would have turned out better, I think. Well, I think, not to go down a rabbit hole, but I think something that the show kind of does is it shows us that no leader is very, very good on this show or infallible. Um, that they <laughs> all make mistakes. Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I mean, doesn't that kind of bear out in real life, too? Is there any leader that really is all that great that gets a ton of shit done um, and makes all the right decisions at the right time? I mean... We, we've gotten to the point in our society where it's almost impossible for one person to um, do something if if another branch of government is is politically opposed to them. It just kind of goes into a deadlock or stalemate. But like, if you look at the show, like nobody is all that great as a leader. They all make mistakes, and, and some of those mistakes cost them. So, um, I think what we if- talked about this before. Kane is just a horrible politician. Uh, uh, you know, he'd be a so, great diplomat. Yeah. Well, one thing that I don't like about this um, transition that happened in season three is that, yes, even though you can say that all the leaders make mistakes, it seems like uh, the mistakes that uh, Kane and Abby have been making um, in season three, it's always like um, as if they're being too nice or something, right? Um, I don't like this idea that it, this goes against the entire theme of the show that there are no good guys and there are no bad guys. Um, that there, it seems like Kane and Abby are supposed to be, um, despite what the show claims, the good guys. Um, you know, so that's always something that I I find. Yeah, but problematic. But sometimes they're like so flaccid. <laughs> Here we're talking about Dick. Uh, um, they're happy like, New so, Year. They're like, <laughs> so they, they're the good guys and they're well-intentioned, but their ability to actually affect, um, like to act in the world and change is stunted by their, I think their desire to be a little bit more diplomatic with everybody and a little bit more democratic when they maybe should be more, um, trending towards what what Kane was in season one, who was who was a kind of take charge, um, take the bull by the horns kind of guy, and that and that fucked him up pretty well in season one. So he kind of backed away from that. So it's like there's a lot of people who are who are are good and are well intentioned, but don't have the don't give themselves the agency to um, 
to actually act in the world in a way that would benefit it. They're just kind of, I don't know, they're just kind of reticent to, to take action at times. Um, but well, I, mean, I think how- that, I mean, I, I continue to believe that almost every character on this show has good intentions. Um, they just disagree on how to achieve the goal that um, they're striving for. And I, I would like it if this was more obvious, you know, if there was more discussion of was it a good path that Cain and Abby were going down, uh, becoming the 13th clan? Was that really, was that in fact the best choice? And would that have le- led to, um, you know, fewer loss, or fewer dead bodies, you know? Um, it's it's hard to say, but it, the, the way it's presented, it's like, yeah, these guys were clearly um, the the well-intentioned ones. They were, I mean, Cain was crucified for God's sake. He was like Jesus in this season. Um, <laughs> well, with his so, beard and all that. I, I hope, it was, it was I hope that he, he gets more Sexy layers. Than, Jesus. I hope they, they start to fuck up more in season four. Um, do we think to add so, more layers to their characters? Do we do we think because you know Bellamy needs a new role model and he's already gone through Clark and 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 Kane and Pike? Do we think that King Roan is going to take Bellamy under his sexy and well sculpted wing? Um, <laughs> you just made to, several people squirt right now. <laughs> oh Jesus! God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to our <laughs> listeners, but God, Jen, Jesus. <laughs> like this is, I mean, it's it's not an impossibility. I'm just saying. Um, the, I don't know. The brown um, thing. Yeah, I don't. It's such a mystery as to, as to how King Roan is going to play, come come into play in season four. Like the, the, the promos make it seem like he's going to be a little bit, how like go for power um yeah. to to be the, the new commander or whatever and i because we see kind of rate um uh, echo pushing him mm-hmm. but then again we also see him uh riding shotgun in the rover with bellamy mm-hmm. probably to a romantic rendezvous so they can do the nasty um one can hope oh my god that would be awesome but so i don't know i mean that would be interesting because i don't i really don't know what rowan's um motivations are so that's a ship to look for in season four the uh the brown ship um and i i welcome that ship uh in all forms it may or may not take so let's transition we talked about kane and bellamy let's now talk about kane and somebody else let's talk about kane and jaha so this was on your run sheet uh shaheen so what what did you want to discuss about these two yeah so um they have an interesting history, right? Um, unfortunately, they get separated pretty quickly. But um, if you think back to season one, uh, we started off Kane looking kind of suspicious. He was We weren't sure about his intentions. And there was, at one point, Jaha uh, suggested kind of, or suspected that Kane might have been uh, involved in his uh, assassination that turned out to be Bellamy, but um, he thought or Bellamy uh, um, and that guy um, Shumway. 
Shumway, yeah. Yeah. Commander Shumway. Uh, but Jaha kind of suggested that it might be Kane. So um, they had um, – but but at the same time, just like one episode later or something, Jaha was suggesting that um, Kane is the best person to take over after him. So they had this interesting tenuous relationship and um, – they always try to beat each other to redemption. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, they do. They have that. I will sacrifice myself. No, no I, I will. will. <laughs> yeah. And Jaha, and just to think about the contingency of the fact that Jaha ended up being the first one who got to the launch key. Um, and, you know, he, he ended up being the one who stayed up on, in the arc on the arc and he ended up going to the but dead zone. But they both zone. try to. Like, they both try to be the one to, like, make the big sacrifice and they're both still fucking here. Like, mm-hmm. they... I, they can't yeah. die for for losing. They're terrible at it. You yeah. guys are terrible yeah, at killing and Kane, yourselves. And, like, if you think about it, Kane took off on a similar journey as Jaha. He took off to um, make peace with the grounders, right? He yeah. went off on this diplomatic mission um that also didn't go well and they ended up in the same prison um and wh- where we i i assume we we're supposed to assume it's polis yeah. uh th- they end up in that um subway prison oh with where lexa we, where we meet yeah we meet lexa for the first time so they follow these paths that are kind of separate Ever since they come down from the Ark, their, their paths are mostly separate, but they end up in the same place because they're both trying to sacrifice themselves I think for their people. What's kind of interesting about them is that when we first start, uh, Jaha is very gray area and Kane is very black and white, like with his slick back hair and like, you know, yeah. no room <laughs> no room for any kind of error or anything like that. Like shock lashes Abby when they get down to earth, like a whole thing. Like Jaha is shades of gray and Kane is 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 very black and white. But by the end of sort of this third season, or not the end of the third season, but once we, you know, get into the third season, um, you know, Kane is definitely trying to sort of ferret out all of these diplomatic routes they can take. And Jaha is, you will take the chip. Jaha becomes the black and white sort of, um, you know, mentality. Uh, I, I just, mm-hmm. I enjoyed that as sort of a flip uh, in in sort of the way that they approach problems and in, in the world. Mm-hmm. Unless I was the only one that saw that. Yeah, you're the only one. Cool. Neat. <laughs> you're the smart Yeah, one. no, so it's very interesting um, how these two leaders, they're very similar, but they're also very different. I mean, and then, but where does Abby fit in with that? Like, because they've definitely, I mean, they're, they're, they're three olds. Um, oh, my God. Really? Can we just call them adults? <laughs> No, they're, they're the olds. We have we have three olds. You know, again, kind of not. Well, the thing Sinclair is, Abby gets to be the one before she becomes the chancellor. She gets to be the one who's who, um, you know, stays outside, um, sits back and and reflects on the whole thing, and she gets to be, um, you know, have this moralistic attitude um, because she's not involved in making the decisions. Uh, Jaha and Kane are the ones who are, who are getting their 
their hands dirty and making speaking of dirty hands though the irony of that with dr abby yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry continue puddle water yeah 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 so um but um yeah i mean the way that their uh stories go kane ends up feeling responsible for this culling that really changes his outlook on everything uh whereas jaha really um makes his transition after he's left on the arc um so maybe we can talk about this in our what if episode yeah. what ha- what would have happened if kane had stayed on the ark that would have been well, he wouldn't have, there wouldn't have been some dead baby to like try and like entice him to like fly through space about it. So he'd probably <laughs> still be up there. Like what would, what would Kane's hallucination have been? You know, like uh, a shock lash thing. Like he didn't, you oh, know, it obviously. would have been his mom. Duh. Or, yeah. or maybe just a floating bonsai tree. Oh my God. All right. So let's start talking about, uh, since we are talking about Jaha, let's start talking about Jaha and Murphy as a ship. Yeah. That's a good ship. I think that ship has played out, like that we're not really going to see it very much again. But at the time, I thought it was really, really great. And moving on. <laughs> Is that all you had to say about Wait, those? does no one else have anything to say about it? Well, it's you're the one that put it in the run sheet, so well, I it's thought also that in perhaps you had run sheet. Something yeah. More, well, um, you know what I think about that? Uh, I think it's <laughs> it's really amazing how um, they paired up these two characters and the way it, the way I look at it, Jaha being the knight of faith and Murphy being the positive nihilist. Um, it's really interesting to what extent these two characters go along with each other. And Murphy keeps following um, this guy who has um, this crazy faith, this crazy belief based on nothing but faith. Um, And you would think that Murphy as a nihilist, as someone who doesn't really believe in any sort of... um, purpose in life or you know any sort of meaning uh, to to things uh he keeps following him uh and you know when they part ways is also interesting so just this contrast between someone who really believes that there's something at the end and someone who believes that you know he does he has nothing to lose so why not just go along with this journey. Uh, I mean, and then when he, when he finds something that, you know, he can, he can live in the moment in that bunker, you know, when he has all the luxury that he wants, he can just live in the moment. He doesn't care about anything else. He's happy to stop there. Um, so that's when they part ways. Uh, and of course, that's also the point where he's completely disillusioned with this promised land that Jaw is promising. Um, I mean, do we but Jaha that, wants to keep going because he still has faith. Do we think that that anyone else could have been on that journey with with Jaha instead of Murphy? Like, I mean, obviously Murphy was meant to even be us. Not that we are necessarily nihilistic, but just that we would certainly sort of approach somebody like Jaha with a bit of skepticism. And so obviously sort mm-hmm. of Murphy fulfilled that role for sort of the audience. Um, the only kind of person that I can really even think of at this point would have maybe been Harper. 
with kind of the way that they've taken her character into sort of, you know, a little bit of wisecracking. But even then, I feel like she is not as um, disillusioned as, as, as maybe Murphy. But, like, how do you guys think that things might have changed if, you know, if it had been Jasper, for example, um, mm-hmm. you know, that went, that went along with Jaha or, you know, one of our other sort of, you know, not, not minor characters, but, you know, definitely not our, our big top core. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to think of any other character that would have made such a perfect match with Jaha. Because one thing that Jaha, obviously, Jaha and Murphy have in common is that they're constantly aware of the finitude of life. The fact that, um, you know, they're they're very aware of the, the big picture, which is if we don't, do something differently, we're all going to die. And of course, that's what Ali ends up revealing to them. And, um, you know, that really calls for two different types of attitude. One is, um, well, we should just live in the moment, forget about all of it, because we're all going to die anyway. Um, Or this, you know, very sort of religious attitude of, we should all strive towards this ideal before all before we all die. And um, that's why they share so much of the path together. How um, is it that Murphy is so good with everyone? Like that's, I, I feel like that's sort of a very surprising turn of the show because if you ever like see people who are talking about, oh, I just started watching the show, like kind of like live tweeting along with the first season, everybody fucking hates Murphy. Like Murphy is the fucking worst. <laughs> but then like the more you get into it, obviously he becomes sort of a favorite character, but kind of whenever he's in a scene with anyone, we love him. Like (laughs) we liked him with Clark. We love him with Bellamy. Um, You know, people are missing a little bit of Murphy and Raven together. Um, You know, and obviously with Jaha, like I kind of, I kind of want to see like Murphy, like maybe calling out Kane and Abby on their idealism. You know, if, if 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 that's sort of his character of just, hey, hold up a minute, like, let me poke holes in your story. Um, I, I want to see him do more shit, I think. Well, it kind of that kind of like is what his purpose is at times in the show um, is to call people out on their shit. He can he can sense a bullshitter a mile away or he can sense that you know, something isn't quite right because he's a very smart guy, despite, you know, how he came off in the first part of, of season one. So I think like we appreciate the skepticism with which he approaches a lot of these folks, because a lot of the times they are like desperately going for something or full of bullshit, like, like Jaha is half the time. Um, I think it's also, if we're, if we talk about um, Jaha and Murphy again, bring it back to their relationship. I think it's important to remember with a lot of these, these characters that Jaha, like everyone's like a lot of folks first um, impression or interaction with Jaha is that he killed someone that they love um, simply by enforcing the laws on the arc. Uh, Jaha was obviously in the the position, the leadership position there. So of course he's the one to enforce it. Um, But you know, he he essentially sent Murphy's dad to to death because Murphy's dad was stealing medicine um, for a sick kid, which is like you know, in that's kind of a horrifying thing to think about. But you can't every every 
every crime on the ark is punishable by death. It doesn't matter what that crime is. So like with um, Bellamy and Jaha, like their relationship will be fascinating to watch because again, um, <laughs> Bell, or Jaha took away Bellamy's mom by floating her. And then, and then of course, Bellamy tried to, to shoot uh, Jaha and that's the reason he ended up on earth. Um, so I think it's, I think it's interesting, especially with, with Murphy and, and Jaha is like Murphy does like Murphy understand Jaha more than anybody else. Is that why he goes with him on his journey or is he just going along because he's got nothing else better to do and he's bored and he wants to see some fuckery? I think, I think it might be kind of the latter in just the sense of like, well, staying around is kind of shitty, and it's not like Jaha can float him, like, now. So, for lack of anything better to do, you know, he can either stay around with a bunch of people who hate him, or he can go with someone who is happy to have, well, as happy as Jaha has ever been, but, like, happy to have him <laughs> there. Um, and so, you know, for once, somebody is not telling Murphy what a shitbag he is. Um, not that Murphy seeks approval from anyone, but at least, you know, it's nice not to be like continually like kicked in the gut by everyone. Well, Jaha kind of makes this convincing case about why Jaha and Murphy are so similar, right? Um, when they're hanging out in the dropship, Jaha says, um, we've both been betrayed by our own people and imprisoned by our own, our own people. We've both suffered and been, been tortured uh, in the hands of the grounders. Um, we've both supposed to be dead multiple mm-hmm. times over, and somehow we survived. Um, so he, he lays out these parallels between himself and Murphy, and I think that really speaks to Murphy. He sees the similarity. And the, the one difference is that Jaha thinks there is a purpose at the end, and Murphy thinks it's all bullshit. But ultimately, they're both, you know, outcasts from every society that ava- that's available to them. They have no place with the grounders. They have no place with the archers. Um, and they both kind of think that um, what these people are doing is pointless. And it's uh, they're all going to die a horrible death anyway. So uh, one follows this path because he believes that there's something at the end. And the other follows it because he thinks... Uh, there's nothing over here anyway, so might as well take on this journey. Yeah, um, I thought. Yeah, I thought that was a. I thought it was interesting, but I think. Um, I think, Joe, you might be right in that. Wait, who said? Wait. Who said that they might be? That no, they no, might. No, let's be get back to this part where you said that I might be right. Well, I, I have to make sure that you're the <laughs> one that said it. So let's rewind a little bit. Who said that 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 Murphy and Jaha their their kind of story has been told? I mean, I, I said that like that they're probably not going to pair them back up again. Yeah, Ma- you might maybe. be right. You, you're probably not right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Huh? You're probably right, but also probably not right. You're probably that, more you wrong might be right, than right, but you're probably not. So let's whoa, whoa. Let's save. Let's save all of this for the predictions podcast next week or, yeah. or next time. You yeah, know, you can call me right and not right. Are we going to keep score? By the way, of our predictions? Yeah. No, because that would take that would take effort. Mm, right. Okay. Okay. Fair. Okay. 
So we've talked a little bit about uh, Jaha. Um, I kind of want to talk about a trio that I don't have on my run sheet, um, but that I think is a big miss for this show. And I want to, okay. I want to get, you, I want to get you guys' opinion. Uh, a on miss, this. like in what sense? Like it was a, it was a poor choice. It was that they should be doing more with these three than they are um, okay. together. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, maybe it makes sense that they're not always they're, they're not an an OT. What is it? An OT three. OT three. No. OT three. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's OT T. Oh, <laughs> Joe, you're bad. You're bad with this shipping stuff. Um, so it it's uh, Clark, Raven, and Octavia, the the three main women on the show. Um, right? Like, why don't they team up more? Goddamn. Why aren't they like the Wonder? triplets more um there's a lot of tension between these three um some of it earned some of it seems a little bit manufactured based on um romantic relationships that occurred or a threat of romantic relationships but i'm like you've got these three very strong women um and so I think some of, some of the tension makes sense. I don't think that you have to have a show with three strong women. They always have to be like the best of buds and always be working towards a common goal. But we don't see them paired up as much as I, I thought maybe we would, especially, and I guess season three really didn't lend itself to that because we had so much separation between season 3A and 3B. But like... Dude. And I don't think we're going to get it moving on into season four because, you know, yeah, Octavia is going to have her like assassin arc and like Raven is half AI at this point. So, you know, both of them are probably a little bit unrelatable to Clark. Um, yeah. You know, who's, so, who's kind of a tryhard. So I think that ship has definitely sailed if it was ever going to happen. Which That's just that's disappointing to me because I think there's always been there's always been an I, I don't know if it's ever been resolved an underlying tension between Raven and Clark. To me, it feels like it's it's mainly gone. Like if if Raven is still harboring that you slept with Finn and you killed him thing, I think that's regressive for this show. And I think it's it goes back to that love triangle stupidity that um, I don't think anybody really yeah anybody really appreciates. Like everyone anymore. was like, cool. So you guys both need to dump Finn. Like no one was on board for anyone to be with Finn. Yeah. Like, he's the worst. Why didn't he die instead of Wells? But that's for the what-if episode. Um, and then the the tension between Octavia and Clark, I think a lot of it always revolved around um, who had Bellamy's trust and who had Bellamy's ear. But now it revol- also revolved around uh, Clark's decision to let a bomb drop on Tom DC and, and, and Octavia was there at the time. So the... Uh, you know, the obvious conclusion of that was going to be that Octavia would be killed in that that whole thing. In season three, they had Octavia appealed a little bit to Clark um, in returning to uh, Arcadia before the blockade went up. And it, they had like all two seconds of a moment together. But Octavia was still kind of cunty. Like, I feel like <laughs> Octavia's dislike of Clark is actually goes back to like... It, she can say the C word. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, like, just Octavia feels very, um, like, I wouldn't even peg her dislike of Clark having to be, having to do with Bellamy. I feel like the way that I read Octavia in this is just, she's just, like, 
still really bitter about being, you know, under the floor girl. And Clark is, you know, pretty blonde princess who's in charge and comes from the elite class and like had a really great life. I feel like Octavia has this chip on her shoulder of, you know, hating the, the, the popular blonde girl. Um, as okay. you know, and, well, and I mean, it goes a little deeper than that, right? Uh, Octavia has this resentment towards this uh, elite ruling class sure. of of, of the arc that, with, with um, good reason. Wait, they you know that 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 always get to decide who lives and who dies, um, supposedly in the in, in the interest of the greater good, and Clark is obviously in that class and she automatically just falls into that role Mm -hmm. when they come to the ground. And then uh, she continues to see confirmation that Clark is uh, really, that's her mentality when the uh, Ton DC bombing happens and, you know, other things that tell Octavia, yes, she's exactly like, Jaha, she's exactly like Kane. She's exactly like Abby. She's the one who decides, yeah, I'm going to decide that these 320 people or whatever, 20, 280 people are, uh, it's okay that they die uh, as long as I get to save these other people that I think are more important. Yeah. So Octavia has this just built-in resentment towards this group of people who make these laws and they pretend like their laws are for the greater good. Um, so, yeah, I think their um, their tension that arises after Ton DC and and sort of continues throughout season three um, is just goes back to Octavia's history and has very deep roots in both of their characters. But at what point I, I, can like Octavia just kind of get over it, like? I mean, or is that what this is going to be? Is her going off and, like, splintering off and being, you know, sky killer or whatever? Um, You know, is that is that sort of, she has no way, like, Octavia is too stubborn to ever sort of just be like, okay, these people are in charge and, you know, whether or not they're elite or not, you know, they are the ones who are in charge now. I got to, you know, if I want to survive, I got to fall in line. No, she's a Blake. And so she is, you know, going to act out and kind of go sort of the opposite direction of the greater good. I think you guys bring up a good point about the kind of the, the class structure up on the arc, because as much as Octavia is the girl under the, the floor and who resents the folks that would threaten the lives of her family if she was ever discovered and this ruling class, um, I think on the opposite side of that, I think Clark is is almost naive or um, oblivious a bit to to her standing in society and how she just kind of assumes leadership. I don't think she does it so so I say oblivious. So obviously I don't think she does it um, um, with any sort of ill intent or to uh, to flex her muscles. But I think I think one of her blind spots as a leader is that she doesn't understand how her posturing as a leader may affect others, and you know, and doesn't see that perhaps it it that is going to create tension with somebody like, like Octavia, or it is going to create tension with, with Bellamy at some point or, or Lexa or Pike or whomever else is, is in a position to either, um, 
oppose her as a leader or be a co-leader or um, kind of chafe under that leadership. So I think I think that's a really good point about that whole um, uh, Clark and, and Octavia um, dynamic. Now, I think the, the, the dynamic that's the least um, served on the show that I'd like to see more of is, is Octavia and Raven. And I think like there was a attention like, set up. They friends. There was a tension set up from the very beginning. I think between uh, Raven and Octavia about Bellamy, um, or there was some sort of there was some sort of either it was um, Bellamy or Finn, some sort of weird romantic or or rival type of of tension that that was established in season one was never really explored. And it's just kind of ridden throughout the rest of the, the rest of the seasons where we don't get to see these two really interact very much. Um, and kind of, uh, you know, bounce ideas off of one another or draw strength from one another. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just not, maybe they're just not maybe like just ever going like to be friends. Other. Yeah. Maybe they're just like, not, um, on the same wavelength. You know, you've got Raven who's, who's, a uh, um, an intellectual type. She's, uh, you know, she's always figuring things out with her brain. She knows how to build stuff. And then you've got, um, Octavia who, who tends to hit things with her fist, um, and solve problems that way. So I guess I can, I can talk myself in and out of why this isn't an OT3, um, that works on the show because you don't have to have people always get along, but at the same time, their we distance have, feels a little manufactured. It's not manufactured. It just, I wish they were closer. I wish they did work um, more with one another because I think we lack that on in entertainment. Um, it, we lack women working well together in entertainment without there being some sort of bullshit manufactured um, uh, Bechtel test failing uh, conflict between between women on TV. So, uh, you know, maybe that's just my larger meta um, observation. But in this show, again, a lot of this tension isn't based on uh, romantic relationships. Not anymore. Um, so I guess, you know, that that's just my thing. But they're, they're the three main chicas on the show. So I want to see them all like, dude, like get together and kick somebody's ass or have a drink or have a sing along. Yeah. I mean, make out. I don't care. I mean, I'm just throwing out. (laughs) Make out. (laughs) Yeah. That could work too. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's got any complaints for that option. Do they? Please. Shaheen, don't say, Oh God. And sigh. Like you would not be totally into that. Chicks making out specifically though like you know okay so i'm probably in the minority here but i have zero feelings about chicks making out like it just that doesn't do anything for me what about dudes making out throwing that out there Uh, no that doesn't do anything either so huh i don't know what's what's the matter with me or what's the matter (laughs) with other people I don't understand how, for a straight person, two chicks making out is is a turn on. You're so fucking enlightened, Shaheen. I just don't get it. So that's it. Okay, but if you had to choose for them, four of those three, for two of them to pair off, who would it be? 
Wait, what? If if you if the show were like, all right, we're gonna pair off two of them, they're gonna make out. Who well, should Princess it be? Mechanic every day of the week, twice on Sunday. <laughs> out of Octavia, Clark, and Raven. Yeah, yeah. Make two of them kiss. Now kiss. Uh, Clark and Raven. There you go. I mean, yeah. Correct. So, yeah. <laughs> correct, <laughs> at sir. Least, at least you're correct. <laughs> you might not care, but at least you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So let's uh, let's see. Who else can we talk about? Boop, 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 boop. All right. Let's talk about. Masper. Um, Masper. Masper. So does everybody, does, <laughs> does everybody remember uh, um Maya, Maya, does anybody remember her? Well, Shaheen does, and he wants to talk about them. What? <laughs> okay. So, all right. I don't get this. I don't understand why people keep saying uh, that um, Jasper and Maya didn't have a meaningful relationship. It's complete bullshit. <laughs> um, Angry Shaheen. <laughs> wow. Pinot Gris is boiling up in your blood. <laughs> He's getting suburban mom angry. Right? <laughs> Gonna go ask to speak to some managers. <laughs> go on, Anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, Jasper and Maya had a very meaningful relationship. First of all, uh, they were both, independently of their relationship, they were both important characters. They played important roles. They weren't always together. They weren't always cuddling, you know, they were, they were doing things separately. Um, but they had this meaningful relationship that, in my opinion, wasn't cheesy. Like, I'm very sensitive to cheesy <laughs> or to cheese. But, uh, I mean, they their relationship was actually pretty good. They did a good job of um, making connections between, between two guys, these two guys. First of all, they were the cross-section of two worlds. Which a lot of relationships in this show are, you know, like um, Octavia and Lincoln and uh, Maya and Jasper and uh, Jasper and Shay. We have all these relationships that are, or uh, Clark and Lexa, right? Uh, the cross section of two worlds. And soon and to be Bellamy that's and how Echo. They got- <laughs> I mean, Bellamy so many- and Echo, yeah. So, that made so many people angry right there. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's an interesting setup and they got to know each other, um, you know, through interesting, uh, encounters. I mean, one had to do with chocolate, one had to do with painting, but it was, it was, it was sweet. all, it was very sweet. Like it was yeah, very young I, feeling like they, it started out as like kind of a crush like it didn't start out this kind of the same way of like this like mysterious stranger who doesn't speak like with the whole like octavia lincoln thing like it wasn't Mm. that it was very sort of organic and uh real i guess like how often Mm. are you gonna find like some like mute warrior in the woods but like what are the odds that you're gonna like (laughs) you know run into like you know a cute girl or a cute guy who like you know maybe you guys don't really know too much about each other but you know maybe we can uh you know hang out a couple times um, mm-hmm. it, it it was sweet and it did feel like, you know, uh, organic and, and, uh, you know, more authentic, I think, than, you know, certainly 
uh, we were supposed to feel about like Bellamy and Gina, for example. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of got. I, I guess I take a little bit of a different tack here. I kind of got the uh, uh, humoring the nice guy kind of vibe off of Maya a little bit. I didn't think she was as into Jasper as as he was into her. He was thirsty. He was thirsty. I f- I feel like that when they tried to have him like a girl on the the oil rig again, I was like, well, you know, this is the Clark's vagina theory. Like, don't don't make googly eyes. Don't make googly eyes at Jasper. You're gonna die. Like, well, look, I I feel like the only reason people say Jasper and Maya didn't have a meaningful relationship is because they didn't fuck. That's just unfair. No, I like I, just because they didn't get to have sex. Doesn't mean they didn't have a meaningful relationship. I mean, think of that quote where uh, Jasper says, "I won't let you die," and Maya says, "Maya says I won't let you surrender." Um, how can you say they didn't have a meaningful relationship after that that exchange? Um, that kind of sums up the entire show in a way. Um, when Maya says, "I won't let you surrender." Um, what she's saying is basically our, our relationship goes beyond just you and me being alive bodily. It, we're fighting for this cause uh, that goes beyond any sort of uh, tribe or group membership. And it doesn't matter if I die. I, I, I want you to stand for the thing that the two of us stand for. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what... Um, the entire show is about right whether we want to survive or whether we want to deserve to survive um so i think that it's clear that maya has multiple motives like a lot of other characters on this show most other characters on this show they don't just have this simple rom- romantic motive or you know whatever they always have multiple motives for for what they do and Maya has this background. She comes from this revolutionary family. Um, and now she's met an outsider, um, you know, a person who's, of course, he's different from the uh, outsiders that they know, that they knew so far, the grounders. But her family has always stood for the rights of the outsiders, people who are not from Mount Weather. Um so she meets this person, and she all she has this already has this revolutionary motive um, to fight for him, and yeah, you know the, the romantic he, he, motive gets involved with it. So I think it's a very um, it's a multifaceted relationship. Yeah. So so along those lines, Shaheen then um, like Jasper makes that revolutionary impulse a tangible thing, right? Because he exists, and mm-hmm. she. You know, it's not just this concept that she's fighting for. Now it's an actual person. There's she's got skin in the game with Jasper. So yeah, I do. Mm. I do see how um, uh, that makes sense in their dynamic in that relationship, and also her as an important actor in that in that specific storyline. Um, so I did. I didn't know you are fairly passionate about Jasper and Maya Shaheen. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, I think they're great together. Yeah, I like when he, I like when he gets wine feisty, don't you, Joe? Yeah, no, wine, wine feisty Shaheen is like my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite Shaheen. I, spe- I mean, and the fact that it's white wine like pleases me to no end. Um, 
<laughs> like maybe I'm just being sexist, but like the fact that you're drinking like mom wine really pleases me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Oh my god, mom wine. So speaking of moms, uh-huh. I don't have a good transition. Um all right, so let's <laughs> let's move on to our next ship that we want to talk about, um, and that would be Jaha and Allie. Um, is is this? Do you do you love Jasper and Meyer more than Jaha and Allie, Shaheen? Uh, <laughs> uh that's a choice. weird question. Um, <laughs> As a pair. Do we care. think that Jaha was a little attracted to Ali? Like, do we think that, like, he was hoping that there would be, like, some, like, in the no, fortress, like, some sexy silly. AI? You silly. Silly. I mean, we still never got to figure out exactly what happens in the City of Light, is all I'm saying. So, I mean, for my part, first of all, I, I consider Ali as a, uh, as a complete character. I consider her and in artificial intelligence, which means that she's able to learn mm-hmm. and change her behavior according to uh, new information that she receives, right? And and we see that happening when she learns something from Jaha about how to go about doing um, achieving their goal, which is take everyone, get everyone to take the chip, the chip, right? So she learns things. And she adjusts her behavior accordingly. Um, so, to me, their relationship is just like a relationship between two people. I know that that's not the mainstream view. I don't know how you guys think about that, or how do you think Wait, about Ali? Think I think first thing think we need to character? establish. What's that? Wait, people don't think she's a character. Like, um, either people either don't think that she's a character or they they don't think that she's a, a person in the sense of, you know, someone who can learn and change. Right. I mean, she, um, she's not a person in the sense that, like, she doesn't emote or understand emotion. But at the same time, like, you know, there are people who do not emote or understand emotion. So I, I personally think that she is for sure a character. I'm a little bit sad that we're probably not going to get to see much of her, if any, in in, in season four. Because um, I thought that uh, Erica Sarah did, did a wonderful job of making someone who doesn't breathe and doesn't move and blink and like you know isn't uh, you know a, a sack of meat and bones into someone that you did like have feelings about in terms of you know her as a character i i i totally thought that she was a character to your point mm-hmm. of what is what is being alive if it's not thinking and learning and you know being able to see you know past present and future mm-hmm. um i i think she was a character jen and as as you guys as you guys know, I think you guys know. Um, I I think that Ali gave um, people uh, other than Jaha sort of uh, some degree of freedom. So I think, in other words, I don't think Jaha was the only person who had freedom. So I think that the relation the relationship between Jaha and Ali was uh, a true relationship between two people who could have chosen to have a relationship with other people, 
but they saw something in each other um, that they chose each other. I would have liked to have seen more of that, obviously. Um, that's it, it was a very interesting sort of relationship because we didn't really actually know sort of Jaha definitely seemed to exist outside of the boundaries of other people in the City of Light. Um, yeah. And sort of like what what made Ali decide to like put her sort of faith in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it just his, cause it couldn't have just been his blind faith in her, um, because she had other followers. Um, you know, what about this guy made him worthy of, of sort of being in her inner circle mm-hmm. inside well, her think- firewall. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, I think it's because he has, uh, he has experience with technology and, um, and is, you know, more intelligent in that respect than, than say, uh, Gideon or, um, uh, Amori or any of the other grounders that, that she interacts with, but also because he's, he's got that blind faith in something he's only heard about as, as a rumor from some uh, rando grounders in the dead zone. Um, So I think, you know, she, she found that that true believer that she can use to her advantage in understanding um, how to, how to use him to get to, to other human beings. I think like they're a perfect pairing because she's 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 like a very 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 intelligent child. She doesn't understand human emotions in the way that that Jaha understands them and she doesn't understand how to circumvent them the way Jaha eventually <clears throat> suggests that she do to get around free will and consent and all that kind of stuff. So they're like the perfect pairing of of um of the the people that that need they're the perfect pairing of the folks that that can further the agenda of getting the city of light up and running and filled with people uh ali is the technology ali can contain people there and ali can create the chips but jaha is the one who can convince people to take it and then jaha eventually is the one that says hey there's kind of a way around this whole free will thing so I think they were a great pairing. Um, Do we think I, that everyone who gets pulled out of the City of Light, like, because you know how Raven ended up remembering, like, kind of how to be a hacker and do all this sort of stuff, are is everyone going to kind of remember that stuff? Or was it only Raven got access to that because of what Allie kind of wanted her to do? Because, I mean, what good does it do if a grounder, like, is suddenly a badass programmer? Um, you know, or able to do all sort of fancy maths, like would they even kind of understand what they're looking at? Like, I'm kind of curious to see what everyone's special powers are going to be now that they're yanked out of the city of light. I don't think anyone besides Raven and maybe a few other people have special quote unquote powers. Um, Raven was a tool for Allie to use to, to search the mainframe for, for Allie 2.0. And then again, I, I disagree with you. Jen on that one. Well, no, like, none of the other grounders had a job other than nailing well, people to crosses. The thing is, Allie got into the mainframe without teaching Raven any sort of programming. She didn't have to teach her any programming in order to get into the mainframe. 
it seems like she learned programming somehow because simply as a result of being in the city of light. There was no point at which Ali needed to teach Raven programming in order to achieve any sort of goal. Yeah, but that but do you think that that the the show is going to science us like that or are they just going to hand wave and say, "Oh, well since she had to get into the mainframe and she was on the computer a bit, she now is a super hacker." I think that they are going to use the the shaky science and make her a super hacker. Nobody else in the city, everybody else in the city of light was wandering around and eating fucking ice cream. None of them had a job other than <laughs> being brutal to people who resisted taking the chip. None of them were crucial to um, to Allie's plan aside from um, Antari. Well, and we even don't Antari know what didn't really have a role other than to be the a city meat of sack. light was, and we don't know what their jobs were. They were um, going somewhere, though. Everybody was walking somewhere. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I just don't. I just don't see it because it, it doesn't make sense to have a bunch of, of super hacker intelligent people coming out of the city of light. That seems like that seems like a tr- contrivance that the show doesn't need if it's trying to simplify and get back to some of the basics that made it so great in season one and season two. Um, that season three kind of uh, strayed away from, which was a more a more concise type. Uh, a more concise and tight narrative that didn't try to expand the world and have 30 different storylines going on at once and all this stuff. So to me, from a logical perspective, it doesn't make sense to add another layer of complication onto a a narrative that needs to be scaled back a little bit. But but that's just me. Um, There were some moments... Between Jaha and Ali, maybe it was just um, uh, Isaiah Washington's acting choices or whatever, that I thought that he had some crisis of faith a little bit, that he had started to question the methods with which Ali was going to pursue her end goals. But those never came across, Um, especially when it was revealed that there's no death in the City of Light. He had this look on his face, face like, Oh shit. This means that she can <laughs> kill people's corporeal bodies because she doesn't care about them. But that but no sort of tension between these two ever came to pass. I thought it was I thought it would have been interesting if he kind of started to question her a little bit. Um but but that's just Well, I you think know, one of the me. interesting scenes that um we should mention with respect to Jaha and Ali is when Jaha was talking to Pike. And that's one of the scenes where you can clearly see Jaha and Ali disagreeing, right? Yeah. Because Ali is telling her is telling him this is not the right way to go about it, right? So he is spewing his old bullshit about faith and <laughs> uh, freeing people's minds and stuff. And Pike is like, "What the fuck is going on?" And Ali is like, "Dude, you're missing him. You're not." communicating with him and jaw is like no dude trust me this is gonna work <laughs> so <laughs> ultimately jaw actually is confirmed because his, his strategy works because pike is like oh i see okay this is some buddhist shit okay <laughs> you're just a crazy person i yeah, have no time like, for all this all right you go do your thing man it's fine <laughs> 
just don't get in my way. And Ali is like, oh, okay, I guess that worked. Um, so I feel like Ali sort of just realized that, like, oh, people don't give a shit about a lot of stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like if you can just like ruffle someone's feathers logic. enough, they just yeah, they just. She's like, be logical. And it's like, no, dude, this no, is no, just like, I'm just going to confuse him. <laughs> anyway, so um, I think that's one of the scenes that clearly shows that Jaha and Ali has separate, have separate minds, right? Yeah. Which, by extension, to me, means that anyone who takes the chip could have a separate mind from Ali. Um, but uh, anyway, that, that disagreement there is very interesting it shows that this whole thing about faith and um you know freeing people's minds from physical and mental pain this is jaha's shit this is not ali ali has a much more straightforward message right she's like look i'm gonna get rid of pain and you know uh stuff like that so they're really two separate characters i think this is that's one of the scenes that uh, clearly establishes that they're two separate characters. Yeah. And that Jaha has preserved this continuity um, across time when after between, you know, before and after he took the chip. He remains this this person who keeps talking about faith and Ali is like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? And <laughs> he's like, no, let me let me just try this. This is gonna work. what do you guys think like so jaha was you know decided with abby and you know the council and you know not to tell people about what to do you know with the failing uh air system and stuff like i wonder i wonder what would have happened if ali had been there to kind of run the numbers and you know would they still be up in space would she have figured out a way to like do all of that like is it significant that she's back up in space like i know that i'm getting like sort of uh you know uh predictions potty yeah. on it but like is jaha gonna like try and get back to to his main boo um <laughs> is, you know like does jaha still, miss ally assuming she still exists yeah 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 his main boo I mean, no one, no one else is lining up. I feel like Jaha and Ali, that's pretty much your options. That's uh, OTP. That's the uh, end game right there. Yeah. Screw the everybody game. else. Screw screw Clark and, and Chip Lexa. Goatee and dress. Clark. Goatee and dress. Yeah. <laughs> screw Clark. We're just going to be goatee and, and dress. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, guys. We've determined that... Uh, Jaha and Ali are endgame for for the for the series. So I mean, I'm into it. Abandon all other ships. Um, so, do we want to talk about Dante and Cage real quick before we wrap up? You you seem to you seem to really like Dante and Cage, Shaheen. Um. Yeah. Sure. Um. So, what do you guys think? (laughs) (laughs) I think you've drunk a lot of wine and you don't know what to think. Um. I mean, I, I guess they have an interesting father-son dynamic because they're not just father-son, they're also leader and leader-in-waiting. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they have that kind of schism in the middle of their relationship in season two, and then they seem to come back together at this, the end of season, or the end of their journey. Um, you know, I guess 
Dante sees that there's really only one path to to victory or to survival, and that's unfortunately to use um, this the sky people. Uh, and he realizes that Clark will never let that happen. So either so Dante and, and Cage either Cage? have to pull the what? No, I mean Dante. He comes around, I think, at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think like I think Dante would like to spare people pain and suffering if possible, but it's it's Clark and the Sky Crew pushing against them that he realizes that you you have to shit or get off the pot at this point. You either have to drain the Sky People of their bone marrow, or or the Mountain Men are never going to get out of the mountain. They're never going to be able to go back up go back up to the surface and live the life that they think they probably deserve to live. What was their plan? Like they would get to the surface and then, and then what? Like get arrows to the fucking heart by, by grounders. Like, I mean, I know that they wanted to be on the surface, but like, what was sort of the like end game of that? To reestablish civilization to, to Uh, bring back the, um, like presumably the society that exists they would eventually have to sort of find a truce with the grounders because otherwise they were a, a small group of people like granted with good technology and they could always run and hide but you know ice nation and and everything else like presumably they'd start to sort of venture out a little bit further and a little bit further and you know they're a little a little civilization in the middle of hostile territory like what the fuck was the plan beyond get to the surface like, I don't think, I think it was a tenable solution to, like, just fight with grounders forever. No, but I think I think Shaheen is right, is that they're, like, the first generation and the generation that starts to 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 fuck like rabbits and, and create as many people as they can to spread um, and eventually reestablish a population on the on the surface of the earth. I, I think I, I don't know what keeps their numbers low in Mount Weather, but I'm sure it's probably sustainability is an issue there. Um but yeah, I mean that they they can probably go back to you know at least like establish settlements up on the surface that they can protect well. I I don't know. I I again, it's did maybe they just want to like go up and look at the flowers every once in a while. I I don't know what what their grand plan was. Um, it again plot thing, <laughs> and we don't have to worry about it because they're all dead. Fuck them. Womp womp. Yeah. So what? So what are you? What's what, your take on Dante and Cage, Shaheen? Well, I think what's interesting in Dante and Cage relation, Dante and Cage's relationship, is that they sort of set up this whole theme that um, permeates throughout season three, which is um, the distinction between means and ends, right? And whether ends justify the means, and this whole idea of perverse instantiation, right? Because if you think about Cage's plan, we talked about this before, Cage is actually, uh, what, what he's saying actually makes sense. If you just think about the consequences and the total amount of suffering and, um, you know, the opposite of suffering, let's say happiness, that you're inflicting on the world, if you think about how much that is in the long run, for Cage's plan, you're just inflicting this amount of suffering on 47 people or whatever, how many people, however many people there are. And then you're going to stop, right? So you don't have to 
bleed anyone else to death. You don't have to kill anyone else. Anyone else. Um, so your total amount of suffering that you're inflicting on the world uh, is, in fact, less in the long run than what Dante was planning, which is keep bleeding the grounders, but don't take the bone marrow of these sky people, right? So if you just think about the total utility or total suffering uh, that you're inflicting on the world, um, you might actually see Cage's viewpoint. But the, the problem is that the means that he... that's that are required for achieving his goal are just for some reason you know we we just feel like that those are against some um absolute duties or obligations that we have to not take anyone else's life um to not inflict pain on them um for no reason right so it this it's this battle between consequence and duty that we see in season three is the major, the major theme of season three. Um, so this is played out in between Dante and Cage, and uh, of course we're led to think that Cage is the the bad guy, but that's just because he seems cruel in the short term. But he's making this calculation that you know in the long term I'm gonna create less suffering than than what you're planning to do, which is perpetual bleeding for the grounders, right? So um, I think that's an interesting relationship that they have. It just shows that this theme of perverse instantiation or means versus ends existed in season two and was manifested in this relationship, um, but wasn't the major, uh, the prominent theme of season two um, until, you know, it, it took center stage in season three. So I think, yeah, it's interesting in that respect. Well, look at you, smarty. <laughs> <laughs> look, 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 look at the big brains on Shaheen over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So let's wrap this up. Um, just want to uh, mention that Unity Days is happening a couple days from when this podcast will be released. Um, up in Vancouver, uh, Canada. So have fun, everybody who's going to Unity Days. We have a couple folks up there who will be handing out um, Maybe Geek Again podcast stickers. So look for um, Clark and Allie. (laughs) (laughs) There are two different stickers that will be there. So, you know, collect both of them. (laughs) Collect Um, both of them. Put them on your Trapper Keepers. Put them on your phone. uh, Stick them to your forehead. Um, eat them. I'm not. I'm not here to tell you what you can do with the stickers. That's up to you. You've got free will. Um, so have fun at that. Uh, sounds like it's going to be a great time. A lot of the cast is going to be there. So hopefully there'll be news coming out of Unity Days that we can look forward to uh, to hearing on Twitter's. Um, our next episode, we're going to be covering uh, two things. So we're going to be kind of covering some what ifs. Um, kind of you know what if situations scenarios for for the the show. Um, to spur some conversation, and then some of our season four predictions. So look out for that. That'll be dropping in two weeks. Um, as far as TV shows to recommend, I took two weeks off in the holidays, and I watched everything that there is to watch. And let me tell you, there's not a lot to really uh, 
sing praises for. There's a lot of shit on TV and not all of it is, is great. So peak TV might have like a billion shows, but most of them are not worth watching. I did, however, enjoy sense eight. I am a late comer to that show. It's really fun to watch. Um, it's confusing at times because I don't understand how, how people, how the rules of interacting happen. Just on that. Don't, don't even try to, don't even try to analyze it. No, yeah, just just let it wash over me, let it happen. But the, yeah. the thing about that show is that there's there's eight sensates, um, hence sensate, and hey, it actually works sensate and then sense eight. I just got that, guys. I am quick on the uptake, everybody. Um, the, the the great thing about the show is all the eight um, main main characters are really fun to watch. They're all very likable, and so are the people that surround them. So it's it's a fun show. I watched, and I think a lot of people watched the OA and, and came out of it going, what the fuck did I just watch and did I like it? Um, so if you're like got eight hours to burn and you want to if go. If you're really hungover one day and you want. If you're, you're thinking, really hungover and your life your life lacks interpretive dance, um, then yeah. watch the OA. Or if you're like, um, you know, I really like Stranger Things. But I also really need um, a little bit more of a, like, Hannibal Lecter. Not Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Silence of the Lambs sort of Buffalo Bill vibe to it. Um, <laughs> and not really understanding what the fuck is going on. And then yeah. really not understanding if you like it or not. Um, then watch the OA. Yeah. Um, and then I also want to, uh, to FYI, folks, um, I'm a big, huge advocate of of original series on the sci-fi network. And one of those original series is coming back for season two. It's called the magicians. Um, it's coming back January 25th. It's basically like, um, if people went to magic school, um, instead of grad school, um, it's, it's a really fun show. It's a dark show. It takes a little bit to get into like the first few episodes. You're kind of like, I don't know if I really like this, but then there's like foxes having sex and like people are dying and it gets really fucking dark and it's, it's good. It gets really good. Yeah. I, I'm not particularly a big fan of, of some of the main characters of the show, but, but some of the other characters make up for that. And it's totally a little, little wonky. Um, but it is a very surprising show. It's, it's a fun watch and I really enjoy it. it is now on Netflix. So you can go watch season one and get all caught up before season two happens. Um, so I but encourage know everybody that it, like, to check it out. It, it, it takes a few episodes to get into. Like, don't yeah. don't be expecting to, like, fucking love it right off the bat. Yeah, you're not going to fucking love it right off the bat. It is it is, uh, it is a very beautifully shot show. So mm. it's not going to be it's not going to be more kind of network TV, blah, CBS looking shit. It's sci fi is doing some visually good looking stuff. So check it out. Uh, Joe, do you have any shows that you recommend? Yeah. So, um, we, we watched, uh, travelers, which, uh, was on Netflix for one season. I believe that it, it, somebody hit up our Twitter and told us to, or I think I asked, I sent out the, a request on Twitter to see if anyone had seen it. Cause Netflix keeps kept saying, Hey, watch this. And I was like, well, I'm not going to waste my time. It was actually kind of really good. They, you know, we have a lot of time travel shows happening right now. We have yeah. like a lot of, you know, like stopping crime and stuff like that, you know, with time travel. Um, but this one was actually like surprisingly really good. Um, everyone was really like likable. I liked watching the characters. It kind of, it, there were definitely moments where it surprised me. Um, so I, I give travelers a shot. It's pretty short. I want to say maybe like 13 episodes. Um, and yeah. then, uh, we're, we're midway through season three of personal of interest, which the first, like the first 
it's it's not until about the back half of the second season that the mythology of the show kicks in. So like the first season, which admittedly, because it was a network show, was like 20 some odd episodes. You know, it felt very procedural, very CSI, very law and order. So it can definitely kind of be hard to get into. Um, but once you kind of got into that, the latter half of season two, you stepped into the mythology of the show. Um, so it's, 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 it's sort of about a machine, uh, who, that, that observes every single thing around us and sort of makes predictions on, um, future crimes. And, you know, it's about a group of people who are trying to like, you know, save lives and stop these crimes, um, which again, on the, on the surface, and especially for the first season and a half is very, very procedural, um, But once you get into sort of the mythology of the show, it kind of has a very like, uh, not, I don't want to say X-Files vibe in the sense that it's not, it's not paranormal, but in the sense of like, oh, there's, there's a whole other thing happening with this show. And, um, and I, I, it's really kind of hitting its stride and I'm, we're, we're enjoying it very much. Yeah, it's, it's a really good show. And if you're, if you're a fan of the whole artificial intelligence uh, Mm -hmm. bent that season three took with the hundred, Person of interest is going to be right up your alley. Um, Again, just accept that it's going to take you a little while to get past the the Law & Order vibe. Yeah. I mean, CBS can't put a show on the air that isn't a procedural. Um, So, yeah. So it, it does morph out of that. But but um, for what it but for what it's worth, the show is created by uh, Jonathan Nolan, who most recently has done Westworld. It's also J.J. Abrams' property. Um, so you know it's it's got that pedigree, um, despite the fact that it that it was on CBS. Yes, despite the fact that it's on CBS, I find myself. Um, more and more saying that I just don't have time for anything that is going to be on broadcast TV, um, because it's mostly crap guys. I mean, it's, yeah. if you're looking for interesting stuff, you're going to find it on FX. You're going to find it on HBO. You're going to find it on sci-fi. You're not going to find it on ABC, and the CBS. CW. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, so I will say this. I enjoy a lot of the shows on the CW. I don't think they're they're like the best shows you're ever going to see, but no, there's but a lot the of fun to be had. There. Supergirl yeah, is the hun- coming back. The hundreds on there again. Supergirl, not great, but it's a fun watch. She, uh, Arrow, um, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, fun watches, but they're not they're not the greatest shows on earth. Um, I can kind of get on without them, um, but I watch them because I'm a big, huge comic book geek, but. I mean, otherwise, I wouldn't find anything else I would want to watch on the C-Dub, except for I might um, give Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend a try when I've got nothing else to watch. And then iZombie, but again, it's a throwaway. Jane the Virgin is is good. I know these these shows are good, but again, it's like... there's it's so few much and far between that you will find something decent on broadcast TV. That's why I'm like... Why even bother with with the major networks anymore? Because they we're in the midst of peak TV and they can't put anything good on air. All the good shows that they used to have are gone. Good Wife gone, Person of Interest gone, uh, Hannibal gone. So it's like the they fuck? just put schlock on there. Um, Shaheen, um, did you ever get around to watching Westworld? Um, no, actually, oh. I I tried, but no, sorry. <laughs> The worst. <laughs> this is we're just starting worst. out 2017 in the shitter, Shaheen. This is yeah. all I wanted was for you to be like, this doesn't yeah. look like anything to me, and then <sighs> I'll okay. watch it. I'll watch it sometime. I mean, One no, of these I, days. Just, I just want I just want Shaheen to be like these violent delights have violent ends, and I'll be like, yay, Shaheen, he's with the angels now. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you watching so, anything, Shaheen? Or are we back to Harmon Quest? 
I've been watching a lot of YouTube. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Nothing cool. to, nothing All right, to brag you, about. I browse the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I ingest the internet. That's all I need. Right. Um, so I guess I, Shaheen will be watching come February 1st. Um, I love that you had to ask Shaheen when the show's actually on. It's it, You'll be disappointed if you you uh, tune in on Thursday and you expect to see The 100. No, and but then we expect maybe he the podcast like, with you. No, maybe he DVRs like, it. So he doesn't want to watch commercials. So he doesn't watch it live. Maybe he's a uh, rebel and like, you know, fast forwards through it. Yeah, the hundreds, hundreds appointment viewing for me. Uh, that in Westworld and Game of Thrones, and that's about it. Oh, except for the sci-fi stuff, but yeah. Anywho, so uh, join us next time for our next episode, and that will be the last episode before we start recording season four episode recaps and reactions. So, guys, we are getting close, and it's getting rather exciting. So, um, so stay. What I said? So excite. So excite, but I'll. that fucking pinot griche man so it's a wild one stay safe out there try to avoid spoilers there's a lot of uh there's spoilers out there because screeners are out there there's some journalists quote unquote that um don't really um don't really censor themselves too well and then you've got the trolls out there who are making as if they've seen screeners and making shit up so uh, just stay off of twitter just hibernate until february just 1st join us like, in the reddits um, yeah join us yeah come to reddits that's like stay off of all social media tumblr is a cesspool of idiots um twitter is is like slightly above tumblr it's like a, 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 a cesspool of morons um but at but least reddit, reddit we curate so Yeah, Reddit is curated and moderators don't put up with with shit. Um, So uh, come there if you want to have adult, mature, uh, intelligent conversations. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think there's a little bit of an overpromise here. Yeah, did I just oversell it a little bit? Yeah, let's not not pretend that it is not just a a whirlpool of fuckery. Um, Yeah, at least it's civil fuckery. fuckery. So yeah, it's civil fuckery. So the the mods do a really good job of making sure that we stay. Um, w- w- things don't get toxic. So I think that's very important. So um, until next time, guys. May we geek again. Bye. Take it easy, guys.